you know, I think being honest about this stuff is ultimately in the long-term interest of everyone in the space um, because I think it will help people understand what's really going on. And, and frankly, I think the AV industry does need to um, rebuild some credibility because of these, of, of the hype and then the delays. Um, and I think that, that the way you rebuild cre- credibility is by erring on the side of, of transparency and accountability. Of course and you're going to say that, Ed, because you're with PAVE. <laughs> I, yes, and it's also something I, I genuinely believe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I am the Communications Director for Partners for Automated Vehicle Education and the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors. Nice. Uh, I'm Kirsten Korosek, Senior Transportation Reporter with TechCrunch. I'm Damon Labyrinth with uh, Damon Corp. And I'm Alex Roy, the host of the No Parking Podcast, occasionally of Argo AI. Okay. And I have a lot to say. Yeah, thanks. Kirsten, (laughs) you're telling me that we're going to do an episode next week about the TV show Upload, but that I have to watch the entire series, all nine hours, in order for my puny mind to intellectually grasp all of the terrible depictions of technology in the show? Well, I think that you, it, I wouldn't say it's all terrible. I think that you have had an issue with how the self-driving cars are depicted in the first episode and you could not get through it. And so then you threw down the remote and stalked away because you couldn't possibly subject yourself to another moment. It was just too traumatic. And what I'm telling you is you should really think about watching the rest of it. So I understand that there are plot twists I will not give away that take place after episode one, but do they profoundly change the inaccuracy of how autonomous vehicles are depicted? Because the show also inaccurately depicts um, my, what I believe to be the future of human driving inside a world of mixed mode vehicles on an interstate. So do I have to watch all nine or 10 hours? Yes. Alex, my, yeah, my, my answer is, is just, and I want to actually walk, watch again and, and sort of take a, a little closer, you know, notes even about, about some of the AB uh, de- uh, depictions because they were really interesting. But I remember being a little bit mad um, after the first episode and feeling like the depictions got a little more nuanced as time went on. Are, are there more autonomous vehicles in yeah, yeah. They, the other episodes? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so the, the crash that's depicted in the first episode is- Thanks for giving is, it away. Is pivotal. Um, to the rest of the show. No, it just sets up. I mean, it's, it's a, you find out more about that crash as, as, as the show goes on. So, uh, and has, have you all watched the TV show devs? No, 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 I haven't. All right. We can, you know, we could launch a whole podcast just around devs uh, and which I really went into with positive outlook, but has a depiction of a car crash. And that has, it's another huge misfire. Let's move on. What are we discussing today? The news? All right. So next so so next discussion episode, though, to be clear, we're going to we're gonna basically just talk about depictions of uh, self-driving vehicles and whether they got it right or wrong. Yeah. And so if you want to do do this sort of book club style, maybe over the next week you could uh, watch upload. This is not sponsored. We're not getting <laughs> paid to encourage you to watch this show. Um, but it is it is actually kind of an interesting depiction. So um, it, I think that'll be maybe the main thing we focus on, but we'll talk about others as well. And um, 
So maybe, but our maybe listeners should it. also send us suggestions, yes. uh, either DM or Twitter or whatever, and we will we will subject ourselves to hours of streaming just to be well informed, so we can have proper discussion next week about it. Now you know, guys, I w- went back and reread. Uh, uh, several years of my own columns in an effort to show humility and try to determine where I was wrong. And I was wrong a few times and I was, I had really a bad attitude and I feel terrible about it. However, our predictions episode, I will be fully vindicated. I am Nostradamus. That's all I want to (laughs) say. Okay. Do you have that? uh, Do you have anything like, I remember one of your predictions was that there was going to be sort of a, a certain window of time where there was going to be some shakeout, which I think I don't want to give it away. We're going to discuss it next well, week. No, 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 you may. Well, okay. I mean, I, I said, some people have said how, how long before this consolidation of the sector? Some people said six months. I said six weeks. And I think I'll be proven correct. And in fact, I am as of today, I'm being proven correct, but let's, we'll wait for that. Well, that's a perfect segue into what we actually wanted to talk about, right? Which is whether it's been, caused by COVID or accelerated by COVID. And I tend to tend to treat the all of what's going on in the world of mobility as being accelerated by COVID because I actually think that there were a lot of problems and issues going on with many of these companies prior to COVID-19 pandemic, but it certainly has accelerated it towards lots of layoffs, completely upending the entire industry. Um, so which which uh, cuts and chaos do we want to kick things off with? Well, why don't we start? Why don't you give us sort of an overview of like some of the, just some of the headlines that, that you're referring to here? Well, in the last week, we have seen Cruise cutting 8% of its workforce and how they presented that and the memo and then the statement I received was interesting. And we can get into that. Meow. <laughs> I just think it we'll get into it. I'll, I'll just pause there for a moment, but their statement was a bit odd. Um, like, I don't think you brag about having billions in the bank when you just cut off cut a bunch of people. That's like probably for those people sort of sucks, but it was a little tone deaf. Yeah. I wonder who was responsible for that. Anyway, it's a good thing. This is not a video show right now. Please go on Kirsten <laughs> today or this week is Uber cutting another 3000. Let's not forget that they also through their deal just recently with Lime, um, which is very interesting. Uh, also as part of that deal is, was giving Lime essentially a uh, jump, but there were cuts there. There were already layoffs. And then as of uh, Monday morning, um, 3000 more people uh, laid off at Uber and looks like, a number of specific sort of moonshot type uh, units are the most um, hit. So robotics within the micromobility sector, I guess they're working on some autonomous micromobility stuff was hit. We've heard that Uber ATG was hit and, and some of these other outliers. I was going to add one, just one more story, uh, even though it was more than a week ago. Um, the information uh, had a story about Zooks being for sale. Right. Um, oh yeah. And 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 one interesting point on this is that um, Zooks is 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 currently valued at two point seven billion dollars. Um, the information had reported that they were considering offers um, under a billion or at a billion dollars. Um, they have quietly, if you if you read the story now, that that 
point has quietly been taken out. Um, thank you to my tipster for pointing that That's out. That's a pretty hot tip. Was that huh, information? I missed that one. I, there was, there's not really been like a retraction published, but it was kind of a big claim to just sort of quietly disappear there. So, um, Oh, the valuation claim. Well, the, the, the idea that, that the bankers looking for a sale are considering offers under a billion dollars or at or under a uh, billion dollars. Um, Oh, so, so again, they just I mean, removed you know, it. Didn't even have a correction or amendment. As far as far as I've seen, yeah, that's hmm. uh, there's not hmm. even a note that meow. <laughs> I mean, look, okay. you know, it's 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 you know, if you're a two point seven billion dollar company and and you know the kind of the best you can do in this environment is say, well, we're not entertaining offers under a billion dollars. I mean, like that's it's it's important. Like clearly, there was a an issue with the sourcing or something, but. Um, and and good for Zooks. like I, I I would be surprised if Zooks is worth less than a billion, um, but you know that's still a pretty significant haircut from their current valuation. Right, right. Um, but then on top of all the cuts, I think it's really important to also talk about companies that have raised more money because, and we're talking about not just the broad mobility, um, but narrowing it a bit to um, AVs. It's a capitally intensive business. And Waymo extended its external and um, round of investments, um, so that also happened, and that's important because, well, for a number of reasons. But it just shows that if a company like Waymo needs to, um, you know, raise now three billion dollars and is the total size, and then go back to the till again, what six weeks later? Yeah, I mean, they raised two point two five billion in its first external investment. That was around led by Silver Lake, Canada um, Pension Plan Investment Board, um, I believe Magna, Andreessen Horowitz, and Nation. Fidelity Investments going to? I'm not sure about that one. It's possible. These but are all these are all the same round, though. For to be clear, that was the initial round, but then they added 750, um, 750 million um, new investors, which I thought was interesting. Included um, those managed by T. Rowe Price. T. Rowe Price is also a major backer of Cruise, so that's interesting. And yeah, you're right, Alex. Fidelity um, and Perry Creek Capital joined on this list latest. But point being is, you've got this these two stories that all kind of come together. Lots of layoffs, and also some of the big companies raising more money, and it all goes to this sort of consolidation story and people sort of hunkering down, um, I think for, or companies hunkering down for, to get through this. One, one other headline um, was uh, Intel's, and this, again, this is also a couple of weeks old now, but Intel um, acquiring MoveIt, Shashua mm-hmm. uh, Amnon um, of Mobileye and, and now Intel, um, had a, a great quote. I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically on the lines of, you know, when, when in times of crisis, you know, you can either, you know, retrench or, 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 you know, uh, you can either, you can either pull back or you can double down. And basically he was arguing that, you know, we, we believe still very much in this vision and, and so we're going to double down. And, and this takes them uh, sort of closer to that uh, robotaxi operations level, which, so it's an interesting development as well in all this, but I think it kind of, it kind of reinforces that sort of, you know, this, this current, you know, challenging time is, is really uh, accentuating which companies are sort of the best positioned and which ones are, are, are having to, you know, make some, some tough choices to adapt. I mean, I, there's something else that I think needs to be brought out here and having had some conversations with a few people in the last few weeks, like 
let's not like obviously COVID has accelerated a lot of these issues, but let's not let's not allow these companies to launder their existing issues under the cover of COVID today, right? And I think that's one of the major things that's been kind of concerning for me is we're seeing all of these layoffs, all of these kind of cost-cutting measures that are been couched in the context of COVID when I think anybody with any reasonable kind of view of some of these technologies and where they were being developed at that time um, knew that they weren't going to happen, right? Or the the time frame was so far off. So this is allowing everybody to do a massive course correction without ever having to say, oh, we may have actually overestimated our abilities here. Or we had the wrong business model to begin with. Right. Yeah. And and honestly, I mean, I think from a, a public education, you know, I think we, we know that there's a, a real deficit in public education about AVs. And, um, you know, I think being honest about this stuff is ultimately in the long-term interest of everyone in the space, um, because I think it will help people understand what's really going on. And And frankly, I think, the AV industry does need to um, rebuild some credibility because of these of, of the hype and then the delays. Um, and I think that that the way you rebuild cre- credibility is by erring on the side of of transparency and accountability. Of course, and you're going to say that, Ed, because you're with Pave. <laughs> I yes, and it's also something I I genuinely believe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're allowed. We're allowed to troll Ed three times per show for being a, a communications of pave. And we're allowed to troll Alex three times, <laughs> five times actually uh, for his special ops job at Argo. Greetings, Atonicat Nation. Pardon the interruption. We know you're all anxious to hear the rest of the show, but we need a minute of your time. Actually, Kirsten, we need a few minutes. Okay, fine. Well, let's be clear. We don't need your time as much as your information. You might have heard that we have created a survey. Hold up. Let's provide some context here. What started as a fun side project has turned into something much bigger than we ever expected. And so it's time for us to grow up just a little. And to do that, we need to better understand our audience. We created a survey to do just that. The data fields are mostly optional, but the more you provide, the more you help. Importantly, we will never share your personal information with anyone. Filling out this survey is the most effective way to help us make this podcast everything it can be. So please take a few minutes to visit atonicast.com slash survey and help us understand who you are and how we can improve. Thanks. Thanks. Moving on. Um, what do you guys feel about this state of the self-driving car race 2020 Bloomberg article because um, it had this interesting list. It, it it took all the companies in the AV sector, or not the, all of them, it took an arbitrary grouping of them and split them into groups. And it put as the leaders five companies, Waymo, which I think we, I'm not sure anyone would dispute that. Um, Cruise, um, I would dispute that because I'm totally biased. Um, Argo, obviously amazing. Who would disagree? Um, Aurora, nice people. Um, and Aptiv. Uh, we all we all like Aptiv. But it, what's interesting in, in the in the second group, it puts Baidu, okay, BMW. And this is interesting to me. Uh, Daimler, Neuro, Toyota, Uber, Volvo. Yeah, that's a weird grouping to me. Very weird. Um, 
I've made some crazy predictions and I'm occasionally wrong, but BMW Daimler, something tells me that BMW is not going to exist in in 10 years in its current form as an independent company. It's not. And I'm not sure how they get into the second group of autonomous vehicle companies next to say Baidu. I think I think the logic behind this, and I'm not sure, but I think the logic behind this is that right they call them leaders, and then the second group is the first group is leaders. So that's Waymo, Cruise, uh, Argo, Aurora, Aptiv, uh, and then it's posses. So Baidu, BMW, Daimler, Naruto. So I mean, some of those right, like Baidu with Apollo, like they're sort of referred to more collective efforts. BMW and Daimler with um, with Bosch. Um, where how does neuro fit in there? Yeah, no, but that doesn't really work either. It so, just yeah. seems speculative, speculative, blah, 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 speculative, speculative. Okay? <laughs> it's on Monday. What's wrong with me? Um, yeah, it, it <laughs> and then Uber, Uber is listed here with the ATG group, which had layoffs today, and then Volvo is there, but they're like an investor in Uber, Uber? um, no. as separate companies. It's it's bizarre. well, then they have Zenuity. That, that whole thing. Um, and, then, and then I thought it was interesting, too. They have Rogues, which is Nissan, Pony.ai, Tesla, and Zooks. Pony. Well, Pony has been scaling up. Here's the thing. it's Pony has been definitely scaling up. Baidu has been scaling up. But anytime I see these lists, first of all, we all need to understand even the, the most well-sourced reporter doesn't have complete insight into everything a company is doing, good and bad. Um, and so these lists are difficult from the get go. And, and it just feels like a bit of a guessing game, um, because there's the obvious ones. Like Alex is like, no one really is disputing Waymo. And that's like, people don't really dispute a couple of these, but unless they sit there and explain exactly why, you know, okay. Zooks is considered a rogue because they're up for sale. They're trying to do something from scratch, but you know, Ed, for example, has experienced some of their tech lately, and it seems very advanced. So where do you put them in that group? Um, Neuro is doing something completely different um, than... It just seems like a bit difficult to really truly understand exactly what every single company is doing. Well, Um, let's let's be clear. What they're trying to do here is, is handicap the horse race. And the problem with that, as we've discussed before on the show, um, the problem with that is that not everyone is racing to the same place. You have companies that just want to be a a stack supplier. You have companies that want to offer their own services. You have companies that are in uh, robo-taxi only. You have companies that want to be in a bunch of spaces. You have companies that want to do delivery only. These are all, it's like, it's like saying, you know, it's like you see a bunch of people running off towards things that they're looking for in, in all different directions. And you're like, Who's winning the race? Well, <laughs> you know, what matters is not just how fast they're running, it's where are they running to and like who so I think I think that like reporters who are who are writing about this stuff and and it sounds sanctimonious now that I'm not one, but but believe me, I understand this challenge and it, it's hard and I I don't think it's easy. But I think that what needs to happen here is instead of saying, okay, here's all these companies that are working in autonomous drive technology writ large you know, start to nail down, okay, like what are the different goals? Um, and then who are the companies that are pursuing those goals? And then sort of, instead of a race to autonomy, because what is that, right? What does that mean? Um, it Let's let's try and, you know, if we got to have horse race coverage, which I understand, like it's helpful, 
Um, let's focus that on on specific goals and say, you know, these two companies are going for are you know want to operate their own robo taxi service. So like Cruise and Zooks, right? Well, actually, I'll disagree with you on one thing. I think everyone has the same goal, and it's not to make a world a better place. The goal is to be profitable. And so everyone is actually racing towards that goal because as far as I know, there's no nonprofit 501c3 self-driving car company out there that is just doing this to be altruistic and um, you know help the people who don't have driver's license now. That doesn't exist. So the goal is the same, but how the road that they take to get to that goal is what is the most interesting part. And the winner or quote unquote winner is who thinks about that the most thoughtfully and understands consumer behavior, has the tech, has the business plan, business model nailed down to reach that end goal of profitability. And I think you're right that there's a million different roads, you know, that's a million different races, but the goal is the same. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, why are you doing this? Because it's a fun experiment. Sure. But you can go work in a research lab and do that. These are companies. These are companies trying to, deliver a service, do something exciting, but also make money. Uh, although at this point, I think some of these companies' business model is please acquire us now before it's too late. Right. Um, well, yeah. It's hard to That's know enough. I mean, right. I mean, you know, uh, the leader group, Waymo, Cruz, Argo, Aurora, Aptive. I mean, I understand Waymo's play in trying to work with, if they can with multiple OEMs, although they don't really have an OEM deal. Uh, like Cruise, I, I get it, but like the focus in San Francisco, I don't get. Like you, I mean, they have the money and the resources to go to multiple cities. I don't know why they're not. Argo, I should recuse myself because obviously I completely agree with the strategy. Um, <laughs> Aurora, I mean, I, I, I'm one, like they need, I mean, it seems to me like they need to get an OEM deal and move. Desperately. Desperately. There were, you know, if there's going to be five to seven OEMs in the world in existence in 10 years, and you're one of these five companies, you want to be lined up with one or two OEMs like yesterday, or you're going to move down into the posse category. Um, and Aptiv is lined up with Hyundai, which makes sense. So I think Aurora needs to, they need to do something or they're going to have a problem. Um, it, to me, it's interesting that um, in the past, Aurora didn't really love being called like, I think I, I described them once as a t essentially a tier one supplier. And I think that they need to embrace that more um, because that's what Aptiv is, is a tier one supplier. And they are making, you know, they have the joint venture with Hyundai and, but at the end of the day, they're a tier one supplier. And it seems like unless Aurora really wants to become an operator, they are essentially a tier one supplier. Would you agree? Yeah, so this this actually brings up a, a kind of an interesting dynamic that I want to get your guys' pulse on because like, you know, so if you think about the earliest stages of of this stuff, it was sort of like the the base case assumption was so so the perception was uh Waymo is is just so far ahead of everyone that basically, you know, they're, you know, they have all the leverage and that OEMs are going to have to come to them and they have to come on their knees and do whatever Waymo wants uh, in order to get that technology in their vehicles. Boom, didn't then, happen. No, well, right. So then you saw, right, like a lot of people, a lot of ex-Waymo people specifically go out and start their own companies, right? So including Argo, including Aurora. Um and uh and then and you and and you saw companies like Aptive sort of say, yeah, we are gonna be a, a tier one supplier. And and all of a sudden there were more options. 
And it was more about the, and, and we discussed this, that it was sort of more about the AV companies having to court OEMs to make the deal. My, my question is, and that's sort of been the status quo, I think, when we last had a discussion like this. My question is, though, is that it, you know, we're seeing Waymo raise more money, um, really being continuing to be seen as the, as the clear leader, even though they don't have you know, a major OEM deal, as Alex pointed out. Are we, are we in the process of transitioning back to that, that, that sort of first stage where you know, a lot of these companies, you have to question, do they have enough cash to, to continue on for the next couple of years? until they reach profitability and Waymo maybe does have the staying power to stick around. And, and could we see a situation where we go back to, it's like, you know, if you want this, then, then, then Waymo has got to be there. Um, or, or Waymo is the one that you have to kind of deal with. Um, or, or is that. Well, here's the, one, the one bump in that uh, idea is that even Waymo has made it very well. John Kravchik has made it clear in at least one interview with the Financial Times that we had talked about earlier, it was a few weeks ago, that not sure if Waymo is really going to be the operator. That business model seems to be in flux is my point. And so while Waymo might be the leader and everyone kind of is resolved to that fact, it isn't clear what a leader of what. Because they might not even be the ones doing the operations, which I find really fascinating to see or to sort of watch it unfold like all these companies deciding uh, okay if everyone decides to be a tier one supplier then who's the operator and where are those companies well the, uh, those operators in theory uh might be well, let me rephrase that nobody knows how to cr- how to run a profitable ride hail business it doesn't exist so but the people who might be able to do it ex- existed at one time maybe at uber and lyft and other places uh but uh the pieces are not yet glued fully glued together and you can see when intel acquired move it they're trying to acquire like another piece of the puzzle um but nobody has all the pieces although the major pieces are clearly fallen into place the thing about waymo is that the lead they had they didn't entirely squander it, but they did squander part of it. And that lead was squandered when some of the key people left. There's still some amazing folks there, but they're raising money now because they know that no one has figured it out and they have to buy time. And this list that Bloomberg put together, leaders, posses, and rogues, is going to be cut down. There's going to be five companies left and they will figure it out. I'm just not sure that Aurora will be on that list. I'm not so sure that the five companies that are left will figure it out because as we've watched with a lot of technology and, and especially when chaos ensues from outside forces like COVID, let's say it really kind of changes things up. You see almost a couple of waves where you have this wave of consolidation and companies going out of business and those people dispersing the technology, taking a step forward, seeming the, the, the giants in place. And then oftentimes that changing again um, and a new wave of companies coming around. And I kind of wonder if that is going to happen in this case as well, because as you mentioned, let's say they get all everyone, the five that are left, get the technology right. It doesn't, it's not a slam dunk because they still have to get the business model right. They still have to figure out the operations component of it. And well, I think I don't. Wouldn't you agree that everyone everyone agrees that the Zooks model, where you're doing literally everything, 
doesn't work. It, that it literally can't work. And that's why well, they're in the position right now. Let's, let's, use, let's use Tesla as a comp- comparison. That's a company that actually has become more and more vertically integrated um, over its lifetime. Now, the story of Tesla isn't done, and we could argue about is it a success or a failure, but it's certainly not a failure yet, right? That company has is bringing more and more in-house in terms of being vertically integrated. And there is, there is an argument to say that there is... There is value in that. I, it's very what difficult is, for us. What is the argument? <laughs> what? What is the argument for well, that? If the debate, if, if the discussion is whether who's going to deploy a shared autonomous robo taxi fleet um, in a city, Tesla doesn't even rank. I'm not talking about that. I'm more talking about the philosophy of a company uh choosing to do one thing and then working with a, a network of suppliers or a network of you know having a, or the zooks model which was the ground up do everything which one is the right one there's the zooks model is far more capitally intensive and it's it it's it's a it's a journey that has a lot of challenges for them but if they're able to pull it off potentially it would be a bigger well, one thing's for sure, if, if you look at the five companies in the Bloomberg leader section, they all share one thing in common. Not one of them is trying to, de- to design a car. So, so, so if you buy elimination, you can see that that makes sense. Um, and at the bottom of the list, there's everyone who's trying to do more than build a stack. So one, one way to maybe think about what Kirsten is, is saying here is a question that I think none of us know that much about, and, and I think it's a really interesting one. Watch your is, mouth. Which is, how are these companies balancing um, sort of the you know, laser focusing on a specific um, opportunity, business opportunity, versus developing a more flexible stack that can do lots of different things? And, and you know, I, I, I think... What we'd sort of, to me, it's sort of been the emerging, um, what made sense was, you know, okay, if you have to have a, a limited domain because your technology is not fully mature, then, you know, you find the domain with the profitable miles and you just focus on that and you, and, and in the short term you get to, um, you know, a, a, a potentially a, a, a business, you know, a, vi- a viable business faster. On the other hand, though, you know, that may be farther out than you realize. If you're not really confident that you can achieve that, it might make more sense to sort of develop a more flexible technology that can do lots of different applications and sort of spread those bets around a little bit more um, and and sort of be that core technology developer um, rather than trying to operate a specific service, whether that's... And, and, and we can also talk about robotaxi versus delivery as well. And you, well, you just created the perfect, maybe inadvertently perfect segue to, to talk about delivery because the what you are describing is... Neuro. So Neuro honed in on or is honed in on delivery. And yet it also has licensed its its technology. I mean, Ike has its technology. So if it were to continue with that business model, is that the type of flexibility that you're talking about? Which is on the one hand, being like delivery, you know, um the using robots that obviously can't even fit a human being, you know, they're fully driverless, they're sidewalk delivery bots, but also then licensing its tech and what the first company it licenses is doing autonomous trucks. Right. Is that what you mean by flexible? Because that would be an example I would think would, would 
fall under that definition. Well, so they may be a little hybrid because they are, they do have that sort of spin out license to, to Ike for trucking. Um, and they are real focused on delivery. And I think, you know, I think there are pros and cons to, to both the flexible and the, the, the targeted approach. And I think what might be interesting about Neuro is that they picked a targeted approach that now seems to be more of a consensus that there's a short-term op- uh, opportunity. Now that, that consensus may be inflated because of the COVID situation. Um, well, it and- absolutely has. I mean, I, I'm curious what Alex thinks of this because he's been so quiet. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 I mean, here's the thing, like from the people I talked to in sort of evidence, there's absolutely has been an opportunity that was presented by COVID-19 that didn't exist before, which is delivery, autonomous delivery bots were niche were considered novelties and were problematic in a, for a lot of reasons, sometimes blocking the sidewalk. We've saw evidence like video evidence of that happening with like people, like maybe someone who a person with disability who is in a wheelchair being blocked by one of these um, little bots. It, it seemed like there was all these potential issues, but now suddenly COVID has made them much more attractive uh, that does not mean that they're going to be perfect or that they will all be successful. I think we're going to see lots of ups and downs with these um, companies, but I do, it does appear that people suddenly see the value of it more than robotaxis because robotaxis present the cleaning problem, uh, all sorts of other issues with sharing, whereas autonomous delivery robots, it's providing a service that we don't want to have to do right now, which is go mix it up with people. One um, other point on this just really quickly is that in, in the, the poll that Pave just put out, we, we saw that 51% of respondents said that they agreed with the statement, I would trust AVs more if at first they were used, um, used to move cargo, not humans, which sort of describes Nero's approach. Uh, compare that to only 25% of respondents agreed with uh, they would trust AVs more if they only traveled less than 25 miles per hour, which is sort of what Waymo did with the with the Firefly initially. So there is some evidence in how just the general public sees this that maybe cargo delivery makes more sense because it puts less fewer humans. And by cargo, you're not meaning freight. You're you're talking. You're not including autonomous trucks in there. It, no, it says to move cargo, not humans. Okay. Um, so the, we need to to dial in our, our questions on these surveys because there's so much you know complexity to it. But I yeah. think the not humans is the part that makes it fit in with what David Estrada was taught from Nero was talking about when he was on our show. Right. Alex? Okay, I got to take off in about three minutes. Um, of course, but, as always. <laughs> look, there's clearly a business to be built around delivery of good, good boxes, whether they're small or large. Um, using autonomous vehicles, however small. And there's clearly a business to be built around robotaxis in a different timeline. But all of these things require, and I'm going to be totally biased here, manufacturing at scale, a flexible stack. And if you want to go to a lot of places, um, OEM deals in multiple countries and continents. So if you want to build a dominant business, one could build a business on a single continent if you want to, but you're still going to need all the same things. Manufacturing at scale, a flexible stack, um, and an OEM partnership, and at least one, and that's and may, and maybe government partnerships too, like with cities that would be optimal. One. But somebody yeah. tells me that there's some ex Uber folks who are lurking out there who care less about those partnerships. who are going to try to get to some semblance of scale, profitability be damned, so they can exit before the company actually works. 
but that's a different conversation. Okay, so the companies that would fall under check all of Alex's boxes. Obviously, we know Argo is one of them. Of course, he has Volkswagen and Ford, Europe, North America. Okay, but that also means that potentially that includes some of the uh, robo taxi and package. Um, focused startups that are based in, have relationships in China and the U S it sure does. And, and I mean, and w- if I would say this, if you're a Chinese based company, uh, you have then the government partnership or regulatory thing becomes vastly more important is the, is the gate because everything else can be solved with time and money, but, pu- but cu- pu- culture and politics, not so much. And decreasingly so in our current age, uh, and a lot, but a lot of other smaller players could get traction and get to profitability locally, um, before some of the big players do, because massive forces have to come into play, um, and interlock successfully. We, that's why Waymo and Cruise each have one strength and one weakness. Cruise has major OEM partnership, but it's also, <laughs> they're testing in one market. Um, whereas Waymo doesn't have, multiple OEM partnerships, but they're at least they're raising money and they're in multiple um, kind of the multiple alliances. So, and you don't count FCA or JLR as OEM partnerships because those are supply contracts, basically. Yeah, correct. There's supply contracts. Yeah. I mean, we're now bumping up against me saying, of course I see everything because of where I work. Uh, but it's hard to look at the list of five and say that there aren't some very, deep strategic decisions were made back in the day that were held to unnecessarily. And the biggest one, I don't, I don't understand it is cruise in one city. Like, you know, they have the money, they have the manufacturing power, but one city, um, there's other issues there, but I got to go. Sorry guys. I'm out of time. Yeah. Well, I think we'll, we'll have plenty of, uh, to discuss on this topic. I think in the weeks ahead, especially if your predictions were right. Okay. So before we leave, I am Nostradamus, right guys? Yeah. Uh, and also homework, everyone give us your suggestions of recent or older shows that depict autonomous vehicle technology and we'll, movies, we'll watch obviously. them and we'll rate them. And if we get enough feedback, we'll actually make a whole show about it. So otherwise you're just going to have to listen to us talk about devs and upload and no one really wants that. Uh, everyone exactly. wants that. And then we're going to discuss the Knight Rider uh, kit versus car narrative arc, which tells you everything you need to know about the future. All right, so much, a lot of TV to watch now. So much to look forward to, and uh, we will do that all here on another episode of the Atonicast.